Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. And hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Minutes with Mute presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. We'll be joined alongside Scott Mutrin in a second. Uh, first, I'd like to talk to you. If you're a BC football fan, you need to join the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com. To get details and, and sign up, there's always some good parties tailgating in the second half of the season. Some, a couple home games coming up uh, starting with the next game against NC State. So that's bcfootballgridiron.com. All right, Scott Mutrin joins us. You know him, Learfield IMG sideline reporter for the BC Football Radio Broadcast. And Scott, I wish we could talk under better circumstances uh, but BC falls to three and three on the year, forty-one to thirty-nine back and forth game, a uh, loss to Louisville, and to top it all off, Anthony Brown uh, is injured. Doesn't look good. Look exactly like the ACL injury, but we don't know officially uh, that he suffered in two thousand seventeen. But on the other knee. So let's just first, Scott, just get your general thoughts. The Eagles uh, fall to Louisville. Well, you know, it's tough to lose your starting quarterback. Anthony was playing very well at that time, and it was, you know, he was just starting to use his legs a little bit more these last couple games, and uh, he felt uh, he looked good out there. He had a nice long touchdown pass to Hunter Long, and then just before he hurt his knee on that run, he had a great pass, uh, great pass to Zay Flowers for a big gain, and just uh, it's a bummer to watch him get hurt, especially if you feel like he's just starting to kind of find his stride this season, and and. You know, you never want to lose your starting quarterback because of just all the time and effort that you put into it and the team and the leadership aspect. So it's tough to watch that go down, but kudos to the rest of the group for kind of picking up their game and and Dennis Grossell coming in and and picking up the pieces and throwing for three touchdowns and giving BC a chance to win and compete in that game. So it was a good effort by those guys, and especially Dennis to come in there and, and really compete and give BC a chance to win, but frustrating to, to lose your starting quarterback and as you're just about to hit the you know the biggest part of your season and your schedule. And as a QB yourself, I'm interested to get your take. You know what? First of all, what are you thinking about if you're Anthony Brown? What do you think he's thinking about? And then cross section, what is Dennis Grossell thinking about coming in in that stage of the game? Which give us that QB mindset? Yeah, when you're. If you're Anthony, it's it's tough getting injured because as the leader of the offense, you're just they count on you for so many things, and they look to you for that leadership and that ability to control the huddle and the guy that makes the plays that helps helps them win or lose the game. And when you when you lose that from the huddle, it's 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 tough to to automatically go back in there and have that same feeling with the next guy and. For Anthony, it's the second time that he's had a significant injury, and it's got to be frustrating. You, there's there's a time where you're really looking like, wow, another one. I got to go through the whole rehab process or whatever it entails with that, and it's it's tough, and it can wear on you a little bit mentally. But he was out there cheering his team on, especially Dennis, and did a good job of coming back out and supporting his teammates, which shows a lot about him, his character, and him as a person. So. 
that was great to see, but but definitely frustrating because he's getting to that point of his career where you're hoping he's ready to take that next step and to lose these last six plus games because of that. It, it's just a it's a frustrating process for him, I'm sure, and it's it's tough to stay positive when everything that you worked so hard from is just taken away and and a non-contact injury, which is frustrating, uh, to say the least. On the other side, you have Dennis Grossell, who, you know, he walked on at BC, just got a scholarship this past summer when Matt McDonald and EJ Perry left, but basically beat those two guys out, and those guys transferred out of there because either they didn't think that they were going to play or they hadn't worked, you know, moved high enough on the depth chart. So he's he's gotten everything uh, he's got to where he is now by his hard work and his determination and his compete level. So, you know, he's not afraid of the competition. He did. He started out pretty pretty good in the in the game, and he, he had some nice touchdown passes. And I think as the game wore on, he maybe a little bit of nerves and other things sat in. But you don't really have a lot of time to process all of that once you get in the game. Right then, you're just ready to go and just looking to do your job and to kind of pick up where the starter left off and and just help your team win. Help give the rest of the guys in the, in the huddle confidence that even though that you're in there and it's not A-B, that you know, you're still there to, to fight with them. You're still there. You're going to compete. You're going to do your job. If they continue to do theirs, they're going to be successful. And it would have been a great story if, if they were able to hold off and, and win that game. But, uh, you know, he, does, he did a good job of making some throws when needed be, made some good runs, and, uh, you know, three touchdown passes coming off the bench is nothing to, to laugh at. So it'll be interesting to see going into this bye week how BC kind of runs their offense and maybe they're not going to change who they are as an offense identity-wise, but maybe add some different things that Dennis maybe does better or that fits his skill set more than, than what they did when they had Anthony in there. And I think you'll see some of that coming out of, of the bye week next week versus North Carolina State. And you share a little interest. You guys both went to the same high school, you and Grossell. Uh, St. Ignatius. He did, and uh, he has, and same coaching staff that was that coached me is uh, is still there coaching him. And you you know, coming with his background from from St. Ignatius and, and Chuck Kyle and Nick Restifo, the the Chuck Kyle's the head coach and Nick Restifo's the offensive coordinator there. But you're prepared, and he knows what he's doing, and he's been you know he's been coached well, and he's he's done a lot for this, so he's not coming in. Green without any experience. He's played in a you know sophisticated high school system, and he's learned a lot. So he'll be ready to go. I, I, I don't doubt his ability to be prepared and to compete and get out there for for BC and, and give them a good chance to win. Okay, now let's let's shift gears. We gotta go. We gotta go a little dark here, Scott. Uh, the defensive side: six hundred and sixty-four yards allowed against Louisville, a Louisville team who's not. Let's be honest, their offense is not. Uh, the best they're going to see all year in the ACC. Uh, but just general thoughts, what what went wrong? 664 yards. Well, you know, there were a couple things that, that went wrong there. Again, third down came back to, to be a thorn in, in the side for BC. They're 48% defensively holding opponents to 48%, which is um, – you know, not not the number you're looking for on defense, and then they gave up 50 percent, 50 percent conversion rate. But 
And, excuse me, Scott. A lot of those third downs are third and seven, third and eight. We're not talking third and one, third and two. So I, I just don't understand what is the miscue and, and stopping. Is the pressure staying off the line of scrimmage? What do you think is going on? As you, you mentioned a good point, third down conversions. Yeah, right. And they were unlike the Wake Forest game where they had Wake Forest in 20, you know, 24 third downs. There were only, I think, 18 this time. And, and majority of them were third and what you would call long. And, and third and long is third and seven plus. And to convert on those downs are, are killer to a defense because they play good on first and second down only to give up a conversion on that. It's disheartening as a defensive unit, and it's disheartening, you know, for an offense and other people that are, you know, the other groups that are trying to get on the field. And I, I think the, the biggest the biggest issue that's been rearing its ugly head is BC's inability to, to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh they're just not able to, even in blitz, to get the quarterback off his spot, to get him uncomfortable, to get some hits on him because they're just not able to, to get home on blitzes and defensive line hasn't shown the ability to be able to get pressure and win one-on-one battles. One, and then in the back end, it, it looks like they're, you know, on their first, uh, our first or second touchdown, Louisville hits a deep pass, and the safety, uh, as Mediella Trek, has a good read on it. And actually, if he, he takes the right angle, could either intercept it at best or at worst knock it down. And he just kind of takes a bad angle, and the ball goes over his head for a 70-yard touchdown. And you've just seen a lot of whether it's missed tackles, bad angles, uh, Stuff like that that's contributing to, to their inability to, to stop teams and to get off the field on third down. And I also thought Louisville did a good job schematically by bringing their best receivers inside and, and matching them up either versus BC's nickel coverage or versus a linebacker. And if you get a linebacker and a wide receiver, that's usually a matchup you're going to want as an offensive coach and as a quarterback. So they did a good job of doing that and exploiting some of the matchups for for uh, for their benefit. And, and BC's just – they just haven't really had an answer to to making plays in in the uh, – on third down and just being able to – unless they're – they've turned people over, but unless they're getting turnovers, they just haven't shown the ability to, to get on and off the field more, uh, frequent enough to, to keep that offense, which is producing great numbers and at a, at a great rate. If they can just – get a couple stops that offense is just going to keep getting better and better so th- they got to figure out either whether it's personnel or scheme wise in this bye week how the adjustments that they need to make and what they need to do to help the to help get them better production on third down and better a better pressure on the quarterback chestnut hill technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the boston area and owned by bc alum CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. You know, it's, it's, it's frustrating, too, because you look back the last couple of years, defense is always very strong. What was that year, 2014 or 15, when they averaged under seven points a game? You know, the Simmons, that defensive back crew was very, very strong. Well, you're almost looking.
looking at the exact opposite of the 2015 season where you have, you know, you have the a great defense, but the offense wasn't able to produce at any, any numbers. Yeah. And now you have a great offense, and then the defense is not pulling. So it's kind of you're seeing the polar opposites of this right now. So it's just kind of I think it's just frustrating for our fans, and it's frustrating for uh, – you know, I think it's frustrating for the players too because they want to produce and they want to get off the field. And I, I feel that they're 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 just missing plays a little bit, whether it's the wrong angle or wrong spot or missing gap control in certain bits. And maybe that can get tightened up in this next week or so. But it, it's just it's it just seems that they're close, but they're just not able to make the plays when they need them the most. Take us. I'm interested to get your take, and you're on the sidelines. What is the t- unit like coming off the field? What are the coaches saying to the units? What give us take us? What's the sideline perspective in, during the game? Any inju- adjustments uh, being made uh, on the sideline for the defensive unit? I'm talking about. Yeah, they're definitely on the boards and trying to work through certain certain things. But at at at, a, at some point in time, an individual has to step up and win and and make an impact. You know, someone's got to beat someone one on one to cause a to cause a sack, to cause a fumble, to, to win a you know, battle versus a receiver for an interception. Like, you, need, you need consistent performance along that way where you've got to win your individual matchups. And you can have the best scheme in the world, but if you're not winning matchups up front or, or where you need to be, then it's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be tough. You can only put them in so many scenarios that eventually they're going to have to, the players have to step up and make the play. Yeah, we need another uh, Harold Landry or uh, Zach Allen coming through the doors, right? Right, exactly. You need someone that's going to be able to generate some disruption disruption on their own and to be able to win a matchup. A.J. Dillon on the other side of the ball, by the way, 22 carries, 118 yards. Just want to get your take quickly on uh, A.J. and the offensive line. Well, I mean, the offensive line has done a great job. They, they've held up well in their pass protection this year. They've done a good job. Uh and running, running the football, they've been great. Uh, can't give them enough credit. And then A.J. Dillon, I, I can't say enough about him. He has been the focal point of this offense for, you know, the better part of, uh, you know, almost two years now. And defenses come in, and whatever you see on tape coming into these games, it completely changes when they face B.C., and they all gear to stop him. And, for the last four weeks, he's been able to, to beat those defenses and get over 100 yards. And three weeks before, you know, for three straight weeks, he was over 150. His ability to wear down defenses and his fourth quarter uh, Saturday was just something that, if you're a fan of, of a guy that's given his heart and trying to put a team on his back and being such a great leader and competitor, put in the fourth quarter of that game. And A.J. Dillon did everything he could to, to will BC to that victory, and it says a lot about him as not just a running back and as a competitor, but as a you know as a as a player and and as a person, just to show how much he he was he was given for that team. And how about on kicking, Aaron is it Balmeri? He I hope I'm pronouncing it right. The kicker from Temple made a nice 45 yarder there in the game to kind of put BC ahead before Louisville came back and scored the last couple points. Right, Boomeri is, is how he pronounced it. It was a great kick. And the only thing I kind of was wondering there is that I, I really liked they, they, BC got the ball in that drive with, I think, either 6.50 or 6.30 left in the game on, the, on their own 30. 
trailing by uh, trailing by two. So they, I think it was 38-36. Yeah, that's correct. So they had a great drive. AJ was doing really well, and then they got inside the 20 right there, and they threw on first down, which I was okay. They took a shot towards the end zone, but then they threw on second, and then they were forced on third and ten. They ran the ball. They ended up getting five or six to get closer for the field goal and kicked it. I kind of thought at that point that that's the time. You know, you don't worry. AJ don't you know had some carries, but not thirty some carries. That's the time where you just give the ball to AJ Dillon and let your best player win. And I, even if you want to take the shot on first, I, I would have hoped they would have ran it on second. And then third down there because I just felt that he's the guy at that point. With Anthony out, you're going to live and die with your best player. You're going to want him touching the ball in some capacity, especially in that last drive. And I felt if they would have got that first down there, they would have been able to bleed some more clock out and either force Louisville into using their timeouts or even score, uh, either kick a field goal or score a touchdown with, you know, minimal time on the clock so that you don't have to put that defense back on the field because you saw what they, what Louisville was able to do offensively. You would rather win or lose with your best unit on the field, and I felt that the best unit was the offense at that time, so you wanted to, to let them win the game for you instead of kind of maybe waiting and hoping that the defense would, would get that stop. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I remember they did like a trick play on first down, it didn't work. They passed again. The clock stops. And, yeah, you're, you're right. I agree. Basically, it made a nice long field goal, uh, but too much time was left on the clock. And you're right. right. The offensive unit was the better of the two units by far on um, Saturday. And you had got to keep them on the field as long as you can. So it was interesting because they ran the ball a lot on first down the whole game. And they kind of switched up right there at the end. Yeah, they wanted to take a shot, which I don't fault for that. Play to get that touchdown. And I just thought on, on maybe second down was the time, so that was your time to ride your horse and, and ride him on second and third down. And if you got a kick then, that's fine. But the way in which he was producing, he was getting – he averaged over five yards a carry. You just felt that he was going to get that yardage. And then, then you're, inside the, you're, you're inside the 25. You can get another first down, you know, maybe at the 15. Then you get another one, you know, at the five or something like that. You can really run the clock, run the clock and force – Louisville into either calling timeouts or just putting them under the gun and then giving them the, t- the ball back with with limited amount of time, which, you know, put plays into your hands because as a defense, you know what they're going to give you. You can scheme towards that and you're able to, you know, they're not able to run or do other things. You know they're in one mode and then it just gives you a better opportunity to be successful. Well, first of all, what are your, your bye week plans? What, what are you doing on your, uh, your off weekend? Uh, well, it's actually kind of funny. It's for I would I would expect to normally be at watching my children play sports, but my older two sons are off from hockey. My youngest son's off from flag football. I do not believe my daughter has a soccer game, so I'm having, I have nothing. I'll probably do some stuff around the house, whether it's uh, you know maybe some painting, planting some grass. <laughs> there you go. Some stuff around there. Watch I'll watch some scout some games. Hopefully, I can sell that to my wife that I need to do some scouting on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, definitely do some stuff and catch up with because during the uh, season you find out you miss doing a lot of things around the house that need to get done. So I'll probably be asked to do that and then maybe uh, spend some quality time with my bride because it is my anniversary coming up pretty soon. So There you go. There you go. That's right. Okay. 
And then you'll be right back at it uh, October 19th. NC State comes to Chestnut Hill. Where time to get a W. I think it's. I think uh, it, it, NC State is very beautiful. So it should be fun. Right. Focus is on, focus is on NC State. No further and no, no way back. You can't win the games you've already played, right? And you can't, you can't lose the games you haven't played. So you can only more focus on the one ahead. All right, Scott. We'll, we'll focus. We'll be focused next Tuesday to talk to you as well. So thanks so much for joining us here on the Minutes with Mute. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.